podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Butcher from Boxing Monthly Magazine, and we're bringing you a new boxing podcast. Uh, with me today, we have uh, Callum Rudge of Hello, Boxing sir. Monthly Online. We have uh, Alex from The Fighting Cock. Hello, how's it going? And we also have Flav from The Fighting Cock and Ball Street. Yeah. And obviously, there's one thing that's on everyone's minds at the moment, which is uh, Quig Frampton. But before we get to that, as an introduction, we're just going to get a little bit of history about all of you. So, quick fire, start with you, Cal. Favourite fighters as a kid? Um, Lennox Lewis because I'm 32, so around that time, around mid-90s, it was all Lennox Lewis. Uh, yeah, pretty much Lennox Lewis, to be honest, yeah. Bit uh, boring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. You've got more. Uh, other than Lennox... Uh... Christy Martin, perhaps? Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish we... I could say Anne Wolf. That's a bad woman. <laughs> that is a bad woman. Oh. Yeah, it's the one one woman in the world that you wouldn't want to cross. Yeah, oh, she, and and Jane Jane uh, Crouch. Jane Crouch. She she scares that you know. Yeah. I just wouldn't want to. I saw her dig out a uh, dig. Um, uh, and Lee, uh, who was the, the, the used to do the ten o'clock show or eleven o'clock show? Uh, I don't know. No idea. I know the Comedian. guy something Lee, yeah. Le- Ian, Ian, Ian Lee. Ian Lee. Oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Give a dig in the ribs and really? broke his ribs <laughs> on air, live on air. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm interrupted. No. Uh, I came into boxing a little bit late, so I'm a bit younger than you lot, luckily. I'm only 29. So who is but, it? Uh, uh, mine was Nassim. Uh, First, I thought Ricky Hatton, yeah. David Hay. It's all re- still relatively relatively recent, to be honest. Uh, my favourite boxer of all time is Emmanuel Augustus. He's just amazing. If you weren't entertained, boxing's about being entertained, surely. Mm. And if you weren't entertained watching him, then you're dead inside. And given looking at how unlucky he was as a boxer, he was on the wrong end of some terrible results. Mm. He was in the possibly one of the fights, best fights I've ever seen against Mickey Ward. Although Mickey Ward has a a big part in that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He. He was just brilliant. He, he got shafted. You know, I think he was stopped a little bit earlier against uh, Mayweather. Mayweather ducked the replay. But um, the, re- the, the, the rematch. And the poor bastard gets shot in the throat yeah. after, after uh, you know, so he's my favourite. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for me, uh, first fight I ever went to was Eubank Ben 1, which was like my 18th birthday present. Wow. I remember people saying beforehand, oh, what a waste of money. And my dad, you know, put all this money together, take me and some mates. And it just the atmosphere in there, just you could cut it with a knife. I mean, everyone was just going, oh, yeah. and just, oh, it's just electric. And How old were you at, 18? I, w- I was 18. Could you appreciate what that what that atmosphere was at that time, why it was like that? Yeah, it was. Having gone to a lot of uh, football matches and stuff, you're going to get that sort of atmosphere. But when I came out, I kind of had that sort of feeling like when you go over a, like a speed bump or something at high speed where yeah. my sort of stomach was in the air. And it was like, and it, yeah, everyone, the whole next couple of weeks just couldn't talk about anything else. Yeah. It, was just, it was just blood and thunder. And obviously it was a real privilege to speak to Chris and Nigel subsequently and get their, their sort of feelings of that night. So I'd say both Eubank and Ben, 
Terry Norris because he was just a he was just a boxer puncher who could chin or be chinned. So you never knew what was going to happen. He could get sparked at any point. He could get disqualified hitting someone on the deck. Julian Jackson because he was a stone cold puncher, a tremendous chilling knockout power. Mike McCallum the, the body snatcher simply because he was just such a underrated guy that just kept on beating people until he got the respect and. Just fighters like that. I mean, it was, it was a brilliant sort of era, that early 90s sort of middleweight, super middleweight. Mm. It was absolutely astonishing. Yeah, unbelievable. Does that kind of link in into the first fights that we saw on TV in terms of... Mm. I was, the majority of most people would have seen four fights on... Your first fight on TV first before um, you go to a show. Mine, mine was uh, Bruno versus McCall, mm. uh, Wembley. Uh-huh. In 90- 95. 95. Yeah. Do you know what? I hadn't put that, and I think that is actually the first one I would have seen on TV, actually. Well, I, was, I was there for that. I was the only person Sorry. in the office <laughs> that. I was the only person in the office of a rival publication that tipped uh, Bruno to beat McCall, simply because McCall was nuts. Yeah. I mean, uh, McCall was coming off of a win off uh, beating um, Holmes and Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing, he, I think he'd just been in some sort of rehabilitation clinic and yeah. he was punching through balls, and they've gotten all these stories that he was completely mentally fragile. And when you watch that fight, Bruno, he's just pretty much upright, jab, show discipline, but but McCall is just offering nothing. It's just trudge, trudge, trudge. And he's almost... Almost kind of like a, a precursor to that meltdown against Lennox in their rematch, where he just he just wasn't there. Yeah. If you see what McCall brings that fight, it's mm. not a lot. But I mean, he, he was he used to come into the ring crying his eyes out often and reciting bit- like all of us. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but it's but it, I mean that atmosphere at Wembley was was absolutely astonishing because when when Bruno got the decision. All this ticker tape came down. Yeah. The whole pr- it was it was like some sort of carnival. It was yeah. quite an amazing thing. Yeah. Everyone wanted it so badly. Yeah. That's what I mean. They it's did. funny, really, they because did. my People family, are not uh, no one in my family is 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 boxing related at all. But I remember on. Well, I lived in a small village, so all of your aunties, uncles, they all live in this same village. And almost everyone had that back page of the sun or the mirror, whatever it was, with the ticker tape going down and brewing around, posted on, like, the kitchen door or, on the, or above the sideboard, that type of stuff. And that was my first kind of introduction to it, really. I would have been about 10 mm. at that time. And uh, it's, amazing. it's what flies said. Everyone just wanted it so badly. Mm. And it, it kind of transcended boxing. Man, no, so my uh, my earliest memory is uh, Tyson Douglas, and I stayed up with my dad. My dad didn't really like any other sports, really. He was boxing, 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 and he bet all he had. He had this feeling that that Douglas would win, and he bet all his mates, no, he's going to win, and he cleaned up that night. Yeah, it's just one of those things that people still talk about now. It's just probably probably still the biggest shock in boxing history, if not one of. Mm. Mm. <laughs> That's incredible. I've virtually no one I've heard of ever tipping Douglas. I mean, I watched every Tyson fight, stayed up late. That was the one where I thought, bollocks, I'm not going to stay up for that one. Woke up, put the radio on, couldn't believe it. You know? mm. And, yeah, it was, it was a sensational performance. I mean, my, my first live one I can remember watching on TV is going way back. It's probably Colin Jones fighting Milt McCrory for the WBC welterweight title because, obviously, I have Welsh heritage. It was important we stayed up and watched it, and that was about 83 and Colin Jones is one of those fighters from that era who would just be a world champion now. But, mm. the, you know, the level of fighters who were middleweights, welterweights at the time, were, were just such a high standard. You, you can't, you don't even, a Daniel Jacobs wouldn't register mm. in, in that era, middleweight, for instance, and, and maybe even a Furman wouldn't, rec- you know, register yeah, a welterweight. Yeah. So the, the standard was, was higher. 
Can I take this moment to... Because I think there's many of our listeners, and there may be a couple, (laughs) certainly for this one, they won't know everything you're just talking about, Mark, and I want to be honest, I didn't know a lot of what you just said. (laughs) I'm I'm a kind of fan that I love boxing and actually was more into and knew a lot more about it maybe eight or nine years years ago when they had Friday Night Fights on Sky. Yeah, yeah. And my understanding of boxing shamedly has, has changed with Sky so they put on the big fights and those are the fights I see now but I do think that there's a big audience that watches boxing that are like me that understand the sport love it but for whatever reason just don't don't understand it to the level you do so I'm just putting that out there so when people, <laughs> <laughs> so when people sort of who's this prick and why is he on this podcast I, I don't know either but you came out with Emmanuel Augustus yeah. it's, it's pretty it's pretty niche so you've it got is. to be impressed with I'm, that I'm probably even even more exactly what Flav's just said my fascination now I think it's probably fair to say with boxing started you know in the last probably six seven years um, and again it's kind of evolved with Sky because obviously if you're big football fans like, like we are then when they try and link the two together, particularly for the bigger fights, and they try and tap into that, that football market. I mean, we might talk about it a bit more later on, but um, I'm, I'm exactly the same. My boxing knowledge it, domestically is is pretty strong, I'd like to say. Yeah, but yeah. As soon as you start moving anywhere else, then uh, then I'm still learning all the time. You two, though. Exactly. Cal and, and Mark, you, you know your stuff, so if you're into it, really into your boxing, the rest of your blow the belt will serve. Cool, tonight. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, one thing I was going to say, it's a very interesting point about the Sky thing, because there is, it's like, almost like the way certain people are about bands or underground hip-hop groups or grime artists or whatever you're into. People like to think that they know the underground first and like to be a bit elitist. And I think the one thing with Sky, is there's a, some, a lot of detractors online say, oh, Sky, you know, it panders maybe to the football fan or the casual fan, but... I remember that terrible barren era of the 2000s where they had these WBU title fights on in god-awful leisure centres, and I've been to mm. all of them, and, and the sport just faded from the consciousness. It was mm. only Carl, the dreg end of Calzaghe and Carl Foch's emergence, but it, was, it wasn't really registering, and I think that if Sky bring uh, publicity to boxing and engage new fans, eventually they will. many of them will go from casual fans to, to choosing to be more knowledgeable. Absolutely. But also, it's up to them what level of int- how far they want to take their interest. I mean, someone might be more into something than someone else. It, it doesn't make them more or less of a person. But I think you kind of... T- I think Sky have been very good, and I think the Hearn deal, some people see it as a monopoly, but... I believe it was a case that often rival promoters would outbid each other and it's just much simple just to have one kind of point of contact. And I think for the most part it has worked with Eddie Hearn, though there had been some of those Joshua shows about last last year, I think, where there weren't very strong undercards and it it did show up and I think they held their hands up to that. Mm. but, yeah, I, I think for the most part it's good. And, obviously, Box Nation is great because you get the real niche stuff. Mm. They haven't done much about it, have they? The Frampton Quick <laughs> undercard ain't that great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an inter- interesting one, isn't it? I mean, uh, you say you could say that fight sells itself. I think yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe for the, the, the casual fan, if, if there was a name or two more on there, that might encourage them. But I think what's not to like, you've got two rival world title holders, a a rivalry that's brewing for three years and there's, it's, it's a, on paper it's a 50-50 fight I know the mm. bookies don't see it that way um, but yeah I, I think it will do well I think when they have the Joshua pay-per-view it'll probably do better because he is a, obviously the heavyweights have more appeal and Joshua just attracts a completely different audience when you go to the O2 arena it's 
it's not even casual fans, it's people going off for a night out, mm. it's women with glasses of plastic rosé wine, it's, yeah. it's completely different. When the fight was first announced then, as you said, you said about the, about, about the bookies don't have it necessarily as a 50-50, mm. when that was first announced, what, was, what were your thoughts in terms of a winner or, or how it would go? Um, it was Scott, I thought Scott Quigg, yeah. because Quigg was in the ascendancy, He'd destroyed Kiko Martinez, mm. who'd had a mini resurgence winning the, t- winning the belt. He had the mini resurgence. He looked good. He had a couple of defences. Yeah, Frampton beat him again. But, f- you know, Frampton's really good. And Frampton beat him the first time, so he had that over him. So I fancied quick when it first came around. Now, not so much. Now I'm starting to lean a little bit more the other no, way. Really? But, yeah, I am. I am. Um, What's more interesting than that, though? Because I think everyone is in a very similar... Like, obviously, the destruction of Martinez was... Yeah. Incredible. I mean, it was, and, and it just so happened to be the exact same time that Frampton was boxing over in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah in was, uh, yeah. Texas. Yeah, Texas. against Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. 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 and uh, he, um, they, it was almost. I had both screens on. I was watching both fights, and you're seeing quick fucking destroy it. Sorry, excuse my French. <laughs> destroy a man, and and then and Frampton on his ass, and you're thinking, what the fuck? The tables just. just I've swore again. <laughs> what, what, Don't worry, it's not Sky. You can swear. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's what's going on? Like my the, my all of my preconceptions about this fight have just gone out the window. So before that fight was made, I was convinced Frampton all day. Yeah, I saw that. And I was convinced Quig all day. Yeah. But I'm, I'm the kind of person who makes snap decisions on fights, on rounds, as they happen in fights. You know, I've been, like, convinced that one, this fight is going one way and then it suddenly switches, which is so great about the sport. Yeah, that's but, it's, you know, you think someone's out and then they're all over it. You know, think about Corrales and Castillo or oh. something like that. Mm. Anyway, let's not get into that. <laughs> podcast on its own, isn't it? I was the same, though, with, with Frampton. I was pretty sure that... Uh, I, like, I liked Quig... I did. I liked... He lives a life, obviously. Yeah. A huge amount of dedication and and knows what he wants to do and, and is obviously learning from, from Joe Gallagher what he feels he needs to learn. But I just felt that Frampton would just have too much upstairs for him in terms of as a boxing brain. But after that night, like you say, I think we've all kind of... Or a lot of us have gone through that phase thinking, well, is Quick just going to have too much power now? Mm-hmm. Um and I, I still now I'm 50-50 I change my mind every day I think there's a perception that um, Joe Gallagher fighters are all the same straight up and down no special effects in the f- words of Floyd Mayweather just no special effects at all you know but there is something about Quig Quig you know like you say he is dedicated he's really dedicated to it and Frampton did look shaky in the last fight so like you I do I change my mind every day but you know, Could someone know. enlighten me on... There was some criticism about the canvas uh, Frampton fight. The canvas was soft or spongy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I mean... So, I mean I, I'm so really, how does that affect I, a boxer? Because I, I don't know. It's just in terms of, sort of balance, you know, balance, obviously, because footwork is, is everything in, in boxing. But I, I think the way I would look at it is... It's like a football away game, and I think people can read too much into that Frampton one. You remember you'd have Hamed and would be blowing out top fighters like Tom Johnson, Wilfred uh, Vasquez Sr. over here. But if you put him in America, he was nip and tuck with a, a you know a slightly faded Wayne McCulloch. Why won't mind me saying that? And we could have almost gone the other way. Algie Sanchez, you know, had him in, in real trouble, and obviously Kevin Kelly had him bouncing off the canvas, you know, like a basketball. And so I, I think it's like an away game. So I think people might read into that a little bit too much I mean the way is how Frampton responded to that many fighters who have that sort of first round aren't able to get it back and 
like fought against Groves in the first fight, and also this one, he was able to collect himself and adapt within the fight. So I, I don't see it as a, a negative, and I, I think it's more a case of how good did Quig look rather than Frampton yeah. look, mm. look bad. But, but can I just, just as a caveat to that, I'm pretty sure that the Gon- Gonzalez, I'd never heard of him mm-hmm. before Frampton fought, it, it was lined up. Was he the 12th best bantamweight in Mexico? Not, not in the world. Well, I mean, you're t- I mean, he's actually a bantam. That's the thing. He's a bantamweight. Well, on a super bantamweight. But the mm. mad thing is, I, rem- I remember when his dad, Alejandro Senior, was was a, was a very good. I think WBC featherweight champion in the in the 90s. But he subsequently lost to Guerfi, uh, Frenchman. And I, I don't, you know, that seems like it was his moment in the sun. It was nothing. He was a hand-picked opponent. It was nothing special. Yeah. When you look at, say, Jamie McDonnell, who was thrown in with Kamada, who was, yeah. you know, really touted yeah. star, and then second fight, Jamie McDonnell wins it with even more authority on the front foot, Incredible pushing yeah, the back, it and it was astonishing. Was. And that was a, that was a real bone in the stew appointment, uh, a sort of opponent. But when you look at, uh, I, I don't think Gonzalez was supposed to be a soft touch, and I don't think he's a monster. Let's put it that way. So you. Saying about Quig performance was emphatic. I think so, and I think what I like about Quig is that Quig lives and breathes the sport. He's got someone equally as fanatical uh, as in Joe Gallagher as a trainer. I think that's a perfect mix. I think Joe improves fighters. Yeah, uh, obviously I like Joe. Kind of uh, wish. He wouldn't be at press conferences. Yeah. Is that a bad thing to no, say? He d- well, he he's, d- the, he's the foil. Yeah, it's he like, is, but he winds people. I mean, he, he does. does he I don't think he comes across particularly yeah. well. Uh, he doesn't care, does he? No, he, exactly. He, and that's he just, he's the credit he to him. Yeah. So Alex Ferguson's siege mentality is what he said to me. He says, you know, he gets everyone in the gym thinking, oh, that get us, and so that kind of brings it together uh, as a brotherhood, and, and I think it works, you know. And ultimately, if you criticise Joe Gallagher, Joe Gallagher doesn't care. He's mm. got a thick skin. There's mm. other people in boxing who criticise. You know, and, yeah. and it will really get to them. But you could say anything about Joe Gallagher, he won't care. Uh, and, you know, I, I think with uh, Scott Quigg, he's got that size, he's got that reach advantage. And like Cal says, he's in the ascendancy. Um, I, I, I fancy him strongly. I don't just fancy him, I, I really fancy him strongly. When you watch, <laughs> when you watch uh, obviously Sky have you know, been trying to push it as they have done, and with the whole behind the media tour programs and all the rest of it, I think when you look at quick at a minute he does seem ridiculously confident and I don't mean that in terms of overconfident or or taking anything for granted he just seems very self-assured in what he is being told or what he's working on at the moment is going to work he's never he's never been anything other than completely assured no but I just think there's some a bit of an edge about him this time there seems like even on the the gloves are off program and just some of the interviews that you see on on Sky Sports News or on any of the stuff that you watch online he just seems to have that little glint in his eye that little extra Curve to his smile, you know, but he's just got that X. Really feels that he's got Frampton's number. Quig had him on the gloves are off. He had him, didn't he? he every single thing, all Frampton could say was "you daft, you daft, you daft." He could, didn't didn't have anything to say to Quig, which was surprising because it was. I, I was thought Frampton was the talker because Quig isn't. I mean, part of the reason why I'd imagine this wouldn't sell as well or capture the interest like Groves and, and Froch did, or you know, or, or, or the Joshua White fight did is because there isn't a lot of character between them. Um, I mean, sp- I think, I think the Irish fans well. disagree with Frampton. I mean, Frampton is immensely popular there, and I think if whoever... I mean, you, if you're a promoter and you say you promote both of them, which is not the case here, uh, you want Frampton to win because, obviously, Frampton has that, you know, passionate and knowledgeable Irish fan base, and, you know, he has that character. You know, he's someone you can market worldwide, but Scott... 
Scott never necessarily going to be an A side, you know. I mean, you, 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 he's, I don't think he's, this is his, probably his first ever headliner, I'd imagine, like significant headliner. He's generally been with like Crollo or something else. And I think if you have him, he has to be against the top opponent to make it sell. Just because his personality is that, you know, he's a you know, pure, dyed-in-the-wheel boxer. And why should he... Ha- he doesn't need to have an outlandish personality. All he needs to do is, is be real, be himself. And, and win. And win. And do you think it changes, though, if he wins? So say he wins this and he wins it convincingly. Do you think that changes, where he could be that A-side? No, I don't think it does. No. Because I think it's, it's going to be interesting because, say, Quig beats Frampton, you've got to ask yourself, what's next for Quig? But as he, say he blows out Frampton in six rounds, right? That rivalry's over. What's next? Does he go up? Who does he fight? Does he fight Selby? It's still, it's still, it's Rigan, still... It has to be either Rigondo Rigan or Shingo, Shingo Wake. I can never say his name properly. I think it's uh, probably different in Japanese. Apologise for any fluent Japanese speakers. There'll be loads of them. But, um, yeah, it's, it, I'd be, it depends. You, one of those is, with the mandatories, one of those belts, I think, is probably going to have to be dropped. So you either... Drop the WBA and yeah. drop Rigo, mm-hmm. which would be the sensible option. Mm-hmm. Or you drop the IBF and drop the Japanese kid, who is useful, but within the, the scope of both Frampton and Quig. That, that's kind of my point, because Quig is... Not, I'm not saying he's lived off him, but he has almost dined off Frampton, in a way, because Frampton's got this, this Irish fan base. He's got, you know, he's got this passion there. Um, I think once Frampton's out the way... Where do you go next? Yeah. There's no money in Rigo. You can fight Rigo, but there's no Is money. Is there not, there. though? Because with Rock Nation behind him, then. <sighs> Rock Nation are just messing about. They, you know, they, they sign Cotto, and Cotto is money. It doesn't matter who he fights. Yeah. He could fight Frank Bruno tomorrow. He's money. Like Cotto. They've taken on Ward. Ward's fought Paul Smith, and he's, he's about to fight this guy, Barrera. And they've got Rigo, and Rigo's done nothing. You know, I don't see what's next for Quick. I don't know if there's really big money for him after this. It's this, a rematch, and then he's just going to plod along. What he wants is maybe, like, a war. Yeah. If yeah. he has a war. No, you, yeah. He wants, a, he wants a trilogy, yeah. like Gatty Ward. Well, I mean, I'd love, I'd love a trilogy, but I'm, I believe, and obviously I'm sure Eddie Hearn would correct me if I'm wrong, that Ooh. Scott Quigg is out of contract after this fight. Ah, uh, and, right. uh, I mean, mm. the good thing with Quigg, he can move... I mean, he's got the frame to move up to featherweight. If you put him in with, say, a Santa Cruz, that's a fight everyone would want, want to see. Yeah. And, you know, and that, that is an elite-level world fight. And, and I think, you know, that, that's good in the, in the States. And I think that's the natural progression for, for Quigg, I think, if he's successful. Um, but I, I, it'd be lovely to see them have more than one fight but if it's close, then obviously we can have that in due time. If, if it literally is a Quig blowout or a Frampton blowout, then you know no one's going to be calling for that immediately. Of course. Mm. So no. I guess we should all go around and see what our predictions are before we uh, sort of move along. Mm. So what do you think, Cal? Uh, Frampton, I think he gets dropped, but I think he gets up, and I think he wins one fifteen, one twelve, something like that. Yeah, similar. So that's my heart, I think. I think the head actually might even be... <laughs> no, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to say Quig. I'm going to say Quig stops him. It's in the first eight. You literally changed your changed I know, your mind. that's what I mean. That's what <laughs> I said earlier. I've changed my mind every fucking day. Within a minute. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the same. I don't know. I, I just don't know. And any prediction I give, I wouldn't be confident. But if I had to, I'd say Quig round eight. Just me then. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I fancy Quig either points or, or late. You know, finally to get to um, get to Frampton. I think that the, the, the body work of Quig, I, I think, could be key in this fight. Um, but I'd love it to be a close fight because I, I want to see it again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
I can't wait till next month so I can come in and lord it over you lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a common theme, I think. Working for Burger, walking for Burger King crown and say, right, <laughs> my feet, you peasants. <laughs> so it's time to take a quick uh, break and a few messages from our sponsors, uh, Burger King. Below the belt. Welcome back to round two, Below the Belt. Um, I'm obviously here with Flav, Alex and Cal. Um, we've been talking about Frampton Quigg, of course. Uh, thinking about sort of fighters in the past, sort of uh, we've talked about that. But favourite fighters and least favourite fighters at the moment. Who are the kind of people that, that you you like in the present day? And who Go really on. winds you up? Go on, Cal. I've been waiting weeks to be able to do just this. Just say it. Go on, mate. What my favourite fighter? Yeah, just say. I it. don't know if I'm allowed to say it because he's retired. But is he? Well, well <laughs> before before he comes back in September, Floyd Mayweather is retired. But yeah, for now, yeah, Floyd Mayweather is my favourite fighter. He's the best fighter I've seen ever. And I've got it's levels of infatuation. Yeah, the conversation we've yeah, had. Obviously, you, the people at home can't see this, but I'm wearing Floyd Mayweather socks today. Well, that's mental. Um, yeah. That's crazy. That was 7 a.m. We had a message from Cal to tell us yeah. he was wearing Mayweather socks. You're yeah. not seven years old, Cal. <laughs> what are you doing with Floyd Mayweather socks on? The man's a god. You've got a man on your Did ankle. No, he's not a man. How, he's much, a god. Res- how much respect is it, uh, admittedly an amazing athlete, almost godlike in the ring, and you've got him on your feet? <laughs> I'm scared to get a tattoo, so that's like the nearest thing I can get. You're, you're a tough guy with all your little sleeve tattoos. I, I've got socks. Have you seen Impractical Jokers, that show? Yeah. Then at the, the end of the thing, that they have the sort of forfeit, and I think it's Sal gets, uh, gets a saying. tattoo of Jaden Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's what it'd be like. I you've got, you've got he doesn't know tattoo. what he's getting, and he's, he's like, what the fuck has Jaden Smith got to do with me? <laughs> <laughs> so I think you should just get a Jaden Smith tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's... <laughs> yeah, because people that don't know boxing, say, oh, it's Floyd Mayweather. The thing is with saying Floyd Mayweather is everyone knows why. Because he's just so good. Yeah. The thing is with Floyd is not the nicest guy in the world, except that, but he's made it look easy. Since 1998, he's been a world champion since 1998. You retired at 38 years old. He was the lineal light middleweight and welterweight champion. And he's 38 years old. People raved when Ali won the heavyweight title at 32. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a big deal too. And I'm not knocking Ali. Foreman won it at 44. What are you saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that was impressive too. Fuck it, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's very impressive the way he avoided Antonio Margarito, Paul Williams, Pacquiao at his peak. Yeah. Uh, moved up to escape a streaking Shane Mosley, Stevie Johnston, he also yeah. did this. There's yeah. a long list of people and where. Choosing to bow out to Berto as well, which was a joke. Yeah, He's allowed. I, I, no one's allowed anything yes, in boxing. This is the hurt game. Yes, he is. He's allowed. Yeah, there I mean, no one left. He's, he's, an, he's an excellent fighter, but I think the whole TB stuff is, is nonsense. I think Thomas Hearns would have knocked him Sparko out. Absolutely Sparko out. You know? I can't <laughs> believe <laughs> 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 um, This is Tommy Hearns. Yeah, this is Tommy Hearns' uh, style was all wrong for him. Was all wrong for him, so I totally accept that. Margarito, sorry, not having that. I am not having that can mentioned in the same name as <laughs> Floyd Mayweather Jr. Floyd Mayweather at the time fought the lineal WBC welterweight champion Carlos Baldemar instead of fighting Margarito. Margarito, as far as I'm concerned, his career means nothing. As soon as he got caught with those plaster wraps on his hands, yeah, course, that was yeah. me done with him. I was like, do you know what? Your legacy, you don't have a legacy. But in, in retrospect, you look at the Baldemir fight and mm. you... Oh, it was... Yeah. I don't know. That, it looked... He was all wrong for Mayweather. I mean, he was all right for Mayweather. You know, yeah. he's kind of a stiff... 
He's quite a chunky, if I remember rightly. Is, is, yeah. Isn't it more all about taking risks? I mean, look, you look at Pacquiao all the way up from flyweight. You know, mm-hmm. he was he was going in with Morales and lost to Morales in the first fight, mm-hmm. and Barrera took risks, risks, risks all the way. When you think of Pacquiao fighting sort of Margarito and Cotto and people like that, where's <laughs> Floyd? See, well, you've got to explain this, <laughs> this because I agree with everything yeah. you're saying, by yeah. the way, but. Cow is literally bending double. <laughs> <laughs> he loathes Pacquiao and loves Mayweather, so he's finding this very difficult. I, I am finding it very difficult because I really respect Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I did until now. You are wearing um, a Jimmy Savile t-shirt. Um, now, isn't Jimmy Savile, this yeah, nature wear Ric Flair, not Jimmy Savile. Uh, <laughs> but for me, Pacquiao, that's why I can't stand Pacquiao. He's this media darling, and people ignore the way he's been matched since he fought David, since he fought David Diaz for the lightweight title. Ever since then, he's been matched beautifully by Bob Harum, who is a masterful PR guy. All the credit in the world to Bob Harum. He mm. just plays the PR game beautifully. It was David Diaz, who is after that, remind me, Mark. Um, well, he's had Cotto, Margarita, Delahoya. I'd actually forgotten another fighter that Floyd's avoided, Tim Bradley, who's probably been the best welterweight for the past, other did than Did anyone Floyd. really want to see that? Well, I would want to see it because I, I love Tim more Bradley. than Berto. Yeah, like me. But that's, you're coming. not making that fight, are you? You're not making Bradley's with top rank. Well, well, I think I think with, with Mayweather, it, look, uh, he is the probably the best boxer I've ever seen with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm taking away nothing of that. What he does outside the ring is of no concern to me. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm, I'm in. I mean, you live a similar lifestyle. Absolutely. Feed <laughs> <laughs> up from the feet. Up. Um, no, but you know, he's kind of like. Uh, and, and just another thing is my, my favourite boxers are defensive boxers like Augustus was a brilliant defence despite him getting you know the way he moved Pernell Wicket was probably my second favourite oh, I love Whittaker yeah, yeah um, and Mayweather in terms of watching him box probably my third favourite to watch mm-hmm. and I love the fact that and I, I said that I was a casual fan at the beginning, but I love the fact that all casual fans hate Mayweather because yeah. they think he's boring. I love that because that, that kind of sets me apart from the casual fans because yeah. I understand that he isn't but um I can't remember what I was going on a point. I had a point to get you. Okay. With, but I can't we'll, come, we'll come back to it. So are we saying Pacquiao, your least then, yeah? Pacquiao, your least, maybe with a favourite. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. No, yeah. No, no. Well, what's yours? Mine, mine was uh, Naz, uh, first coming into it, just because he, he brought boxing to me because I wasn't a boxing fan at that sort of age. And then there he was. This is someone that everyone was talking about who was so different. When did we, did we watch your active fighter, though? Huh? Oh, is that? Oh, yeah. Well, we let him have You've a done active one. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, whoever's active, come on. Uh, what Groves. are you doing? Keep with it. I love George Groves. <laughs> right. I do. You go on, you go come at me. I don't give a fuck. No, I, I love George, George Groves. I love, I've got the T-shirt as well. I've got, I've got <laughs> I put his T-shirt up in my garage yesterday with are my you, new punch bag. Are so. you quite hopeful now he's linked up with uh, Shane McGuigan? Do you think that's well, hopeful, a, a, yeah. a career in Ace Because he showed a lot more poise, I thought. It was, it was he kind of, against Rebrass, uh, obviously a couple of fights before Jack, I just thought he was just mm. loading up too much mm-hmm. and he, just, he seemed like too active where he just seems to have got that poise back with Did Shane. you not think with the, the Rebrass performance, the, the fact... Of what he did to of what, that he beat Rebras didn't get enough credit because when obviously the Smith and Rebras fight the Callum Smith fight it seemed to be a you know Smith had to dig in slightly for, I think for that one I, I just thought George didn't that, get enough credit I, for I, his I think he's perceptive like Groves was coming off the, the Wembley fight with Froch wasn't he so he'd just gotten and he gave Froch a really good fight in that second fight people mm. forget that yeah he got knocked out but 
I thought he was just ahead and I thought he was just in the ascendancy and then Frotch caught him but he, he was coming off that yeah. two really big fights and then fighting the guy with brass whereas Callum Smith is, is yeah I get that different. Smith looked a lot smarter a cleaner against yeah. Rebrass than Groves did yeah. but is that Gross, to be expected Gross, that's what I mean it's, it's not well if you've got a, a lesser trainer than, Mc, than McGregor I think, I think yeah. the fact that he's now with someone who like uh, Shane McGuigan who is obviously up and coming and, and I think that relationship would probably work better than him, for him I think George in interviews since the split with, with Paddy has said you know look it probably went on a fight two fights longer than perhaps it, it, it should have but I, I, I like well, George just because of his, his attitude and the way he went about the whole the whole fraudery I've never as much as I've I've never been as, as invested in a fight as I was for, for Groves 1 but then obviously in particular Groves 2 I spent a fortune on Practically ringside seats to that fight, and I when that when Froch hit him with that with that shot, I devastated. Like, Did you do a sharp sharp intake of breath? I just kind of I just stood there, hands on head, you know, just as if as if it was my son. That I was I was in a pub in uh, Old Street, yeah. a proper rough pub, and just as Froch landed this punch mm. behind me, the worst. Bar fight I've ever seen with my life. <laughs> Kicked off. There was a guy on top of another one just smacking, smacking, smacking a limp guy. Oh, <laughs> it was horrendous. It was like McGregor and Aldo. Oh, sorry, we can't talk about UFC. Even no, boxers, we can't. Don't, boxers don't like UFC, do they? No, we don't. Nor the way. Fucking shit. Um, so, yeah. so you said Groves. Yeah, Groves. And then least favourite. Uh, least favourite would probably be uh, Paul Smith. Yes. I can't even say why. I just really can't. Most fighters I can get invested in, whether I want them to win or I'm interested in what they're going to do next, I've never had that. I or James DeGale. I, 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 oh, no, well. I could have helped you with Paul Smith. That man boy was my piss big time. Yeah, I, I, like, I like Paul Smith. I think he's, he's very forthright, and I think you either like his opinions or, or you don't. But I think he's a very good analyst. I quite like him as a pundit. Uh, and, uh, yeah. But I, 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 think, I think, you know... I mean, possibly because I think if Joe Gallagher had had Paul at the start of his career, I think his career might have gone a, a little bit better. But I think with some people, I think they because he had kind of three defeats in a row. But mm. you have to remember, Arthur Abraham is, is an absolute bastard to fight against. Mm. He, he will he he's a he master at knowing just how much to put into a round to do it. And it's it's not like Felix Sturm where I think he lucks out. Yeah. Abraham knows exactly what he's doing. He's very very clever. No, he was really uh, and obviously Andre Ward, you know, he's got no. Chance against Andre Ward, no chance at all. But I mean, I, I like Paul, but I think he, as a, as a fighter, you know, his best days have gone. But you know, he he has a presence and a profile and with he, a win. You know, get a couple of opportunities. Yeah, you could he fight Sturm? He probably will only need one win against the journeyman for a WBA Intercontinental belt, and, and yeah, then he's in the true. ten. Yeah. And f- what's Felix Sturm going to do? He take that all day long. He's done he? a lot with the talent that he was given. I think. I think he's stretched his career, and, and he's he's done well to get into positions. Yeah. And the title fights he's got. And fight. That's what I mean. It annoys me. But that's yeah. fine. That's that's. You but should it's not, not a hate. You mine, is, no, mine isn't a hate. It's just a least favourite. <laughs> what annoyed me? I love the British title. I love it. And he had it for 19 months about defending it, and that done my head in. <laughs> it did. It, I was like, oh, because that's such a beautiful belt, the British yeah. title. He had it for 19 months. Rocky Fielding's there, the mandatory, and he's avoided it, avoided it, avoided it. And he gets two fights with Abraham, and he hasn't won a fight since 2013, Paul Smith. Yeah. And it was against a couple of journeymen. So that's why he annoys me. He's a good pundit, and I'm sure he's a nice guy, but 
that thing with the British title, 19 miles up, really bugged me. Mm. Fair enough. I'd say, I mean, Groves is my favourite. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I thought you were pointing me up on this. Yeah. Oh, when I said I'm done with Groves. Yeah, yeah, that was. Really <laughs> cool. I, I like winding you up. I, actually, for just uh, what we didn't mention is just not only did he box a lot more sensibly, his jab looked back, mm. and um, I like the new look. Yeah, I like the shaved head, the black. Uh, didn't you think? Black. Didn't you think that it seemed like there was a weight off his shoulders yeah. afterwards? Mm. It's just he'd seemed kind of quite heavy, yeah. but he just seemed really relaxed. It seemed like a new sort of reinvent. I, I was positively encouraged because I think uh, he's still young enough, and I think a successful George Groves with the opportunities we have at super middleweight is great for British boxing. Because, Absolutely, because he does appeal to a lot of people. I think if if I know that no one really knows the problems between Booth and. Um, Booth and Groves, and if, if they do, they haven't said, I haven't seen. But if you'd have stayed with Booth, he would have been a world champion. It's a shame what happened there. That time with uh, Paddy uh, Fitzpatrick wasn't any good for his career. He did fall off the rails a little bit, in my opinion, performance-wise. And now, based on that fight, and, and, and part of me is biased because I do want him to do so well. I really, really was gutted when he got splattered by uh, Froch. But, uh, you know, I'm ho- really hoping it is a new jo- George Groves. But I'm, I'm not going to say George Groves because he said it. I'm going to say Chris Eubank. Yeah. I love that kid. I mean, I don't necessarily agree the way he handles himself out of the ring and in interviews, although it is interesting. It's more interesting than, than Paul Smith. Uh, and I really, really have a, bug in, a bee in my bonnet, rather, over the Saunders decision <laughs> no one agrees with me I get it but you won that fight by two I rounds. want to agree with you watch, uh, watch it back I I <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I actually think Eubank nicked it as well, to be honest. Because, Whoa! No, but because, no. but because the, f- the, f- the first five rounds, uh, I think Box Nation, it, it kind of became a mantra that BJS won all of them, but BJS doesn't always do a lot of rounds. And there were like three clear ones, I think, that he won. There was one that he probably won, and then there was one that I thought Eubank nicked mm. of those first five. But then from six or seven afterwards, it was just all Eubank. Mm. And, uh, and you, I, I think it was perfect time for BJS to fight Eubank Jr. because he's only going to get better. Yeah. I think he, Ronnie Davis told me, and this may or may not be true, that he'd had uh, Eubank Jr. had food poisoning just before, uh, and that's what, and that's why he was almost conserving his energy because he was worried yeah. about the twelve rounds. But I think BJS has subsequently improved. And I think he looked in the shape of his life against Andy Lee. I mean, he's always had that slight puppy fat, but he looked very, he looked very sleek. And, and you know what? He's, he is very good at, at making you kind of fall into his traps and fight his fight. And I think Paulie Malinardi said something like, whoever's fight they're fighting is probably the guy yes. winning the fight. <clears throat> and when you see BJS, it's always a BJS fight. And mm. I think... Some people underestimate how good he is, but that doesn't mean that Chris Eubank Jr. wouldn't beat him in well, the What fight was that? What, what, what fight was cute? The Eubank fight then? Because it looked to me like Eubank won that. Mm, I, I think I think it finished a Eubank fight, but I actually do think BJS won. I thought he won. I thought he made Eubank look like a complete novice for the first half of the fight. He, do, he, he did look wild. He looked crazy wild at, at times. He threw very bizarre punches. Certainly in the first round, he, he didn't find his range at all. I agree. Mm. And that's probably down to BJS. Yeah. Why do we keep calling him BJS? Is that a common term? 
I just have BJS on my predictive text. For one reason or another. Not when everyone's saying it. That's your thing, Mark. You keep it. It was a great fight, though. It was a great fight. It was great. I love him too. He'd be my number, a very close number. And what I'm saying, and now he's with Booth, and I really rate Booth massively. He's very highly. Inevitably, those two will meet again. And I, I hope that happens. I think they will. I think there's too much money there. What do you think, Mark? Um, I think the f- trouble is Chris Eubanks Sr., though obviously I love him as a fighter, he has an influence, as everyone knows, and I don't think he's the easiest person to deal with. And I, I think if you see Junior separate from Senior, Junior is actually a cool guy, mm. you know, but Senior often does like to take the limelight, and I, I think he likes involvement. Some of that is parental concern, but equally, I... I think Chris Jr. needs to give him his head a bit, let him do his own thing, uh, and I, I think not maybe necessarily interfering in the promotional things. I mean, was it a good fight? Was it good to leave Matchroom when Matchroom had a fantastic platform with Sky Sports? He was had a great reception against yeah, Michael Sullivan, was fantastic. and he's walked away from that. Now, he has the option to go back, but he's done it because there was a huge purse bid which uh, Hennessy won for Blackwell. Blackwell's not an easy fight because, I mean, Blackwell is a tough, tough guy. You know, he was fighting grown men in the unlicensed circuit and, you know... He's not, you know, he's going to be there for the 12 rounds. He's, he's going to be there. Oh, he's improved he's that way. He's, he's going to be there for the 12 rounds. You know, he's not going to crumble. What did you think about Eubanks' decision to go back and fight for the British title? You're going to love that. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love the British title. Was it necessary, you know, do you point. think? I, th- I think probably maybe they, they thought the money was good, and, and I, I think they, they claim a romantic uh, association with the British title, but let's put it this way. His dad didn't have that romantic association. He never mm. fought for it. And I think sometimes the goalposts sometimes slide over, you know, to fit the argument. I, I'm not so sure. I think literally it was, it's a huge amount of money for a British title fight that they think they can win. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think they might underestimate how tough Blackwell is. It's interesting because I just watched uh, something, an interview with Frank Warren before we, before we started tonight and he was talking about you know, hoping to try and make that you know, Eubank and, and Saunders for this summer. Um, and his feeling is that you know, look, he keeps using calling out Saunders' name and all the rest of it, but doesn't actually want the fight. And it, what he actually said was he thinks Boover's talked him out of it, of that fight with, with Saunders, for, for now at least. Where does Eubank go after Blackwell? Say he beats Blackwell, which is no given, because Blackwell's really improved. Where does Eubank go? He's he concerned go... about where all these boxes are going. You've got to think about the big picture. <laughs> You've got to think about the big picture. I like to think about what's next. What's where does, he, where does he go? He goes and smashes up fucking Triple G. That's no, who he goes. Da- Danny, I mean, Danny Jacobs, obviously, he was the, sort of the mandatory for the WBA's regular title. Jacobs is, is a strange one because, obviously, since he had his surgery after having cancer, mm. he's just become a knockout machine and he's kind of gone a bit under the radar but he's like knocking I think it's like 13 straight knockouts <laughs> but when he, when he did Quillen in one round I was genuinely yeah. shocked yeah. that because Quillen is, yeah. I think Quillen was a slight favourite wasn't he he was but I mean I think Quillen there's the weight concerns you know because he's a tall guy but to actually do that to Quillen in a round I, I, I don't even know where to place Jacobs Jacobs might be a lot better than we think simply mm. because he, he just seems to be meeting these challenges so Great fight with Eubank Jr. if it happens. Yeah. That'd be really good. He's, think, there's still fights. There's still fights. There's, 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 Lee, yeah. you, I'd be interested in Andy Lee and Eubank. Yeah. I'd yeah. be interested in a rematch You can't make that. Yeah, that would be an issue. That would be. <laughs> yeah, he, could, he could switch between rounds. That'd be good. Like, okay, <laughs> you get one, three, five, and seven. Yeah, you get sorry, two, four, six, and eight. That, that one works. That's a very silly thing for me to yeah, say. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I'm that casual. <laughs> <laughs> 
What's next? Well, what about, I mean, uh, I think the, the weird thing about boxing is that because of the amount of news outlets and websites and fan sites and blogs, everyone kind of knows everything. It's not that excitement that you see at the football, like when you see a CFAX or something, you think... Wow, Chris Kawamia signed for Arsenal, and you're all excited. About <laughs> yeah, no, that is a <laughs> that is uh, you're, you're all excited about Kawamia, that you know, landing from East Anglia. From Ipswich, isn't it? Yeah, from, uh, from, hey. from Ipswich. But you don't have that sort of surprise element anymore. And you've got, you know, but when Canelo and Khan came out, mm. it was like what? Because no one really saw that coming. I mean, I know it, it was on an IFL thing. It was posted subsequently that Eddie Hearn had intimated that. Was that uh, yeah, I mean, barely. I mean, he'd said. I think they'd it'd gone back and forth about Eddie saying, "Oh, yeah, I think it's fifty percent chance to make it." And then the week after, it was half like, oh, sixty. Actually, pretty confident. And then I think Coogan had, had, had had a chat with him and said that. Don't think it's going to happen now. And they were saying, "Well, why? What else is he going to do?" And he might go Canelo. And it was like that sort of oh, impasse. Talking about Conan Brook. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was really confused. For sorry, no. I think right, when I they were with you, because obviously the whole Conan Brook thing, they would. You know, I was will be into the fact. Yeah, that will they won't tie Conan down? Yeah, and then was... when the Brook thing obviously wasn't going to happen, then he said, "Oh, well, where's he going to go?" And he said, "Well, he might do Canelo." And it was that type of mention, that passing mention. Yeah, sorry. It was an incredible announcement. It was. It was just. I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, where did that? Like, that yeah. is crazy. It was like a Tuesday afternoon, wasn't it? <laughs> <You> kinda, yeah. <laughs> it was like a Tuesday afternoon. Tweet. I jumped on the train. I was like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> well, I just imagine you in the middle of prep, just going, <laughs> just, some, "Just some woman, you know, dropping a falafel or something like that in the shop." You know, so the only your profanity, which we do not apologise. The only, yeah, the only, the only comparable thing I could think of is when Sol Campbell left Spurs for Arsenal. The only time when I thought. Fuck! <laughs> like that, that, that that level of just out of the blue, couldn't believe it. Yeah. And and the fact that you got to say, is it brave or is it stupid from Khan? I think it's a I think it's a great gamble. I really I really do. I mean, I think it's one of these things where, unless he is you know not the hell out in the first round, you know, I, I think it's only something that raises profile. Uh, he can only look good in this because I, I don't think Can- Canelo is very straightforward. You know, there's there's he is a big strong lump, but there's nothing special about him. And, and, and I think Khan has got a slight reach advantage. He's obviously got a, a huge speed advantage. And, you know, he, I think tactically, I think he'll cause him some problems. Obviously, you would think that the strength and the size of Canelo is obviously going to tell as the, as the fight goes on. And if there are, like, close rounds later on, you, you can't see in Vegas with them favouring aggression that Khan is going to be, uh, you know get any gifts he, he is going to have to dominate to do it so that the odds are against Khan but it's all about gambling isn't it and it's just like what I like about Khan is that you know he is, he is yeah, he's been in with some good fighters and he's always an exciting fight absolutely you know and it's like if you watch an Armour Khan fight you're not going to go oh it's a boring fight you know you're going to see something you might see him knocked out you might see him be outstanding but, yeah. but he is, he's must watch yeah, you have actually seen him in every kind of fight yeah he's yeah. dominated he's must watch TV he's been obliterated he's He's been in wars with um, Maidana. Maidana, yeah. that fight was incredible. Yeah, and, yeah. You, and answered questions about his chin. I still think there are issues with his chin. Oh, yeah, definitely. I also think uh, he's got an amazing engine. I know we're just throwing cliches out about him now, but <laughs> he, 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 and he does excite. He does excite. But Canelo's so big. That's he's back. so much bigger than him. He's a 155-pound champion of the world, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Greatest of all time. And he's so accurate as well. And he, is, he will land. I out, think he has improved. And will, will Khan stand up? Exactly. Th- those are the only questions that you, I need to ask. Yeah. If, sorry, sorry. If Khan can take his power, and I don't think he can. 
Because he'll have to take it at some point in those 12 rounds. I think I think people look at the Kirkland fight, Canelo Kirkland, yeah. and they go, oh my God, Canelo's a puncher. He didn't bother Cotto once, and Cotto's, what, 34? Kirkland was also in a mess as well. He wasn't, no, that's no, what I mean. Wolf. He wasn't with Anne Wolf, and that's it. Yeah. No. Wolf, we, lo- we love Anne Wolf. We do. We love I love her. I want the greatest, the, not only the nicest things in the world to yeah. happen to Anne Wolf. I'm terrified of her. Yeah. <laughs> she scares the life out. Yeah. Did you hear she just got pregnant? <laughs> はい、はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。は
said quite a few times that he doesn't think Khan is really committed to it. And I, I've had this feeling for quite a while that Khan is, has been looking to cash out. He's been looking at Floyd and going, I want the Floyd fight, I want the Floyd fight. And then it was Pacquiao, I want the Pacquiao fight. And it's all Can- Canelo, he's money now. And part of me has, always, has felt for the last couple of years that Khan's just looking to cash out and that's what Canelo is. But yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting, well, interesting to see what the, the comparative offers were between Canelo and Brooke. Brooke because obviously, yes. obviously, Brooke would seem an easier fight. Like, I've always, I've always felt that that Brooke will catch mm. Khan. I've always, I've always felt. I mean, Brooke is a huge, huge welterweight, but I've just always felt that's that's a wrong fight for Amir. That's, and I, I, I could, I don't think they have avoided him. But I think against Canelo, losing to a middleweight like that on that sort of stage, you know, on that classic sort of May 5th, Cinco de Mayo sort of weekend, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, you can come back from that because it's at a higher weight. Whereas I think getting knocked out heavily by a book, you know, that's, <coughs> it's, it's a hard, you know, it's a hard comeback from then, I think. Plus yeah. there's that money, that Brook fight's always there, yeah. even yeah. if he loses. Right. So he's going to take that, still think it's all wrong. I, he's made a mistake. Yeah, because I think for Brook it's personal, P- isn't Purely it? whether or not he can win yeah. by that. He's made a great decision in terms of how much money he's going to have. Yeah. I think you're right. I think the Brook fight is always there. Even if Khan gets done in four rounds, Brook wants this fight so much that I think, say Khan comes back to the table, I think Brook would still take 60-40 in Khan's favour and still take the fight. He almost has to, he has in a way, doesn't he? Because, yeah. because of the, the position that they're both in in terms of who's the draw and who's the champion but mm. do you think that's right do you think that's why Khan would have would have moved him along or not avoided him but tried to sidestep slightly just because if he loses to Brooke what what happens I, I I'm I kind of think that Khan thinks he's too big for it I think he's I think he's too, yeah. he thinks yeah. he's too big for domestic fights mm. I think so too I think that isn't a, that's a world fight it just happens to be against a domestic yeah, fight yeah exactly and I, but I think that's what it is I think it is it's a world fight it's two world class fighters two top five welterweights it just happens to be in England I don't think that's really bad but I think Khan thinks he's too big for it and if Canelo does win where does he go Cal? <laughs> Golovkin alright fair enough good answer <laughs> <laughs> he has to it's mandatory but can, can I ask one, one question are we right in that we're going to draw this to an end okay <laughs> I thought that's where you were going no no, I, no, 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 no I, just, just I wanted to get this question in mouth yeah. agape yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know what was happening it's like, it's like when you saw one of those video calls you listen to that yeah I've broken down that's your question the matrix is broken yeah you know gloves are off why do they all sit straddle oh, the chair? Oh, Why they're do copying they all... HBO face off? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Why do they do it on that then? Yeah. Why not sit on the chair like it's been designed? Cross to... your legs if you want to cross your legs. Okay, Fine. so I guess mm. is even if, even if Nelson, he's got nothing sit, to prove. If you sit on the chair correctly, there, you right. have the opportunity to lean back. Right, you can lean back. If you sit with the chair turned around like that, they have to lean forward. So it's about making them closer and having the appearance that they could get aggressive. I guess. That's and also, topic. I guess, get, getting them in, in shot as well if you've got a round table thing. But I, I think yeah. so. There is a logical reason. For yeah. It. I think that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I, those sort of programs. I, I'm not. I like the fights themselves and maybe the aftermath because so much is all the things before and a lot of it's like with football previews. A lot of it is just doesn't mean anything, does it? But yeah. I, I, but I, I think those shows really have sort of caught on over here, haven't mm. they? And I think you, you, a lot of people were thinking that Quig actually got the, the better of yeah. Frampton, which which was, was surprising because I, Frampton, if you see him on social media, he's very quick, he's very sharp, he's a very witty guy. It was quite tame, I thought, in terms of, from someone that, like I said, I quite enjoy those types of things. Um, you know, if you if we compare it to things like the Frotch, the Frotch Groves ones and even the, the Bellew Cleverly 
it was, yeah. was you know it was relatively one directional but um but that was quite this was this was quite tame even the Eubank and and spike uh, yeah. one had a, was actually quite funny to yeah. watch um this was relatively tame but like you say i mean the majority of the time it means nothing i think ultimately they respect each other they yeah. the, they are, i think there's even an element of uh, they actually like each other as well i think what you're seeing when frampton says you know they, they, they're never questioning each other's integrity it's mute, mute, their skill and they have to do that can you make what i'd like to see is I, yeah walk in I'm not sure. I am a little bit worried about getting obliterated in the ring. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, it's boxing. <laughs> yeah. I love that, just once. Yeah, yeah I'm a little bit worried that I'll, I'll never walk again. But, you know, apart from that, yeah. you know, hopefully it goes all right. I think, I think Quig was... I think you got the impression at the end that Quig was more trained for it than Frampton I think Frampton just thought, walked in there and go I've got to do this yeah. I think I think Gallagher had got in his ear and go say this say this mm. say this because it's what about what we were saying earlier it's that siege mentality it's about no it's about gaining every advantage before fight time uh, but you're right it, was there's a nice respect between you two I mean even before the the first press conference they did after the fight was announced in Belfast and McQuiggan you know, is, is, you know Barry's getting a huge reception as, as he always does but you know before he, he mentions the fact that everyone's got so much vitriol towards Hearn and particularly Gallagher, but he's, he actually says, you know, look, I'd like everyone to give Quig a round of applause. It's not his fault, you know, that you don't like the others, but, you know, this guy deserves respect and, and he's a quality fighter, which that's obviously where it stands. Who said from. that, sorry? Uh, Barry McQuiggan. Sweet. Mm. Yeah. Well, he's, a, he's a boxer, isn't he? I yeah, think it'll be yeah. very interesting because, uh, barring it being a, a draw or some stupid sort of technical draw or something like that, at the end, someone is going to be vindicated of that fight, and the other one's pride is going to be sort of dented. And it's very interesting to see the respective camps, how they handle that, because when emotions are running high and there's a bit of needle, you know, it'd be just very interesting to see. I think the fighters themselves often can be relied on a sportsman, mm. you know, particularly with a view of a hope, hopefully the rematch will conduct themselves immaculately. But the people on the outside, when there's a lot of kind of friction making this fight, it's not been an easy fight to make. It'd just be interesting to see where that goes. Will, will people get a few digs in? Uh, I suspect that they, yeah. might. <laughs> they might. Which will make great TV, but, you know, it'd be interesting to see where that goes. That's enough. Everyone enjoyed that? Mm. That was good, wasn't it? It's nice good. talking about boxing instead of uh, with actual... People that know what they're talking about. Like Mark and Gal, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a couple of thank yous I'd like to do. Obviously, I'd like to thank you, uh, I thank Ball Street, who obviously hosted us today in their luxury studio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, their studio. You know, this chair is fucking uncomfortable. They, <laughs> they don't actually have a carpet, they have like a flooring of custard creams that have individually been laid <laughs> next to each other. And every time you walk in barefoot, you just hear that little crunch. Yeah, true. So I, it's, I don't know if that is true, but that makes, <laughs> makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, like the fact and also everyone's parole officer for kindly allowing people to slip off the uh, tags and, yeah. and be a part of this. Mine said, oh, I just thought, fuck it. I'll go back to prison. Gully, basically. Yeah, Gully. So, right. Anyway, I hope, hope you've enjoyed the sort of uh, Below the Belt first podcast. The plan is to make this a regular thing. Hopefully we'll have something before the uh, AJ, uh, you know, uh, Prince Charles Martin... Uh, almost a Prince Charles Williams. Prince Charles Williams was actually a, f- a fantastic light heavyweight champion, but <laughs> I had to stop myself. But yeah, against uh, Joshua against Martin in April, so hopefully this will be a regular thing before Once big month, events. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we'll, we'll crack on from there, and it'll just always be, it'll be the boxing realness. Below the belt. Exactly. Gulliness in your ears.
Sports Social Podcast Network.